0: Hello, everybody. This is Courtney Stanley, and welcome to another exciting episode of Dare to Interrupt, a listening experience where you have the opportunity to sit in on honest, unfiltered conversations with women who are considered to be the most influential, inspiring, and innovative women in the world of events, hospitality, business, and beyond. Throughout their careers, these leaders have dared to interrupt conversations, their own comfort zones, and sometimes even societal norms to hustle toward their greatest levels of success. I am so excited to introduce you to today's guest, who is actually our final guest of our second season at the end of 2021. We are joined by Liz Lathan, Chief Marketing Officer at Hot Companies, a collection of brands that embrace the unconventional to build human-to-human connections. You guys are gonna absolutely love Liz. It is so great to have you here today, Liz. Where are you joining us from?
1: Well, thank you so much. I am here just north of Austin, Texas.
0: Ooh, steamy Austin. What is the weather there right now?
1: Actually, it's relatively chilly for Austin. I would say we're in the fifties now. Um I actually am wearing long sleeves and yesterday I wore boots. It was a big deal. Um that is tomorrow a big deal. I'm dropping sure in flip flops, but that's Austin for you.
0: Yeah. Well, but it's better than me. It's actually been a really beautiful snowy day up here in Michigan. It's one of those really pretty slow-mo oh. snowfalls. So I'm bundled up in sweatshirt and extra fuzzy socks and just feeling all the holiday vibes as we step into the season.
1: You know, when I went shopping last weekend, I was looking at those clothes and wishing I could wear them somewhere. So I just need to come visit you.
0: The grass <laughs> is always greener, that is for sure. Well, I hope to come visit Austin soon. I know we talked a little bit about how much the city has changed and be great to re-explore that area of the world for sure. Absolutely. So Hot Companies just wrapped up a really unique research project, which you're calling Return on Emotion. Mm -hmm. Would you share more about what that is and why you created it?
1: Absolutely. So it has been, I would say, four years in the making, even though it was a one year research study, we kind of had this this theory that the experience the experiences we've been creating over the last three to four years have really created bonds among the participants that you don't tend to find in your standard events or conferences or experiences. And we were trying to really put our finger on what made it different. And you know, shared experiences, we knew a shared experience that evoked an emotional response could create genuine connections that we like to say would drive profitable relationships. Um, but it, all the studies tell you you have to have emotion in your marketing and you have to really bond with people. But no one really says, what are the emotions and how does that drive business? So that was really Our intent for the study was what are the emotions that you need to evoke, whether it's a live event, a virtual event, um, a video series, a direct mail program. What do you have to do to make someone feel like they've made a connection with you to drive pipeline and revenue? Because we're all about the results. So return on emotion is your way to drive return on investment.
0: So how do you actually measure that? How do you measure emotion? It is. It's not such a
1: scientific thing the way that we're approaching it. If you were to look up the phrase, you'll see a lot of companies trying to do almost the Nielsen Media type of thing of ma- telling people to turn a dial and tell you how they're feeling. It's not so much like that. It's um, let's think about it like happiness. So our experiences. When you create something incredible, you create this shared experience and conversation that produces a sense of love, bonding, well-being, and that releases oxytocin. If if you're releasing the experience of excitement and anticipation that pays off with the reward of some sort of mind-blowing experience, that releases dopamine. And if your experience has, you know, builds confidence and self-worth, then that releases serotonin. Well, those three things are creating happiness. So kind of taking that as our initial idea of, okay, our events create happiness, but how do you, how do you make sure that the right things are happening to drive business? And that's what we attempted to do. So we did this year-long research study with a company called Allabreva uh, Research. And she, our lead researcher happens to be a professor at Johns Hopkins University as well. So totally legit information that we got. And through these virtual experiences that we created, and then we um, put the same test up against some in-person experiences, we identified that there are five emotions you must evoke in order to drive the connections that will drive business that will drive pipeline and revenue. So that's what we're super excited to share early next year. Once we put the finishing touches on it, the exact five emotions that you need to make sure in your programs, in your events, in your virtual events, so that people will create that connection.
0: Well, that is really, really interesting. And this is the first time that I'm hearing about this study as well. I know you and I actually connected on LinkedIn yesterday because I saw this post about this study and the research that you'll be releasing in January. And I am really curious to see what you have actually discovered in that research. And I think it could really affect the way that people do business, not just the way that they plan events and they plan these experiences. That'll be really important. But I love that you also focus on the outcomes. How does this actually shift the way that people connect so that they feel the way that is the most profitable and the most productive, which is really, really interesting.
1: I know. Yeah, and I think when people are planning their their annual conferences, when they're, whether it's virtual or in-person, and you know you've got your program built, you know your executives want to say certain things, you know that you're going to have your concert, you're never going to do these things, right? But now you can take our return on emotion formula and bounce that up against your program elements and go, okay, we need to be hitting these five emotions equally in order to drive the pipeline that our sales guys need to hit so the revenue they need to hit. So now you can go, you know what, we're, we're missing this one. Let's make sure we go add that into the program before it happens. And we can have a pretty sure sense of the success we're going to have.
0: So did you, you tested out these different theories? Did you test these out at your own events? Or did you pull in some other events to look at to study to explore?
1: Yes, so we've been testing them with our own and with some of the client events that we do to make sure that this is across the board a useful formula that's going to work for everybody. So we did our own virtual program throughout 2020 and then at the end i'm sorry throughout 2021 and then at the end of 2021 we did some of our own in person events to just to make sure these five emotions that kept coming up over and over again were the right five for in person as well and then some of our client programs that we've been working on through 2021 also just making sure we hit all of those same ones and then seeing the ROI that they're getting from their programs so we know that this formula is repeatable because that's what's important we knew historically the events that we created were incredible but could we repeat those? Could we repeat that creativity and that incredibleness for future events and help other people with it? So that's the intent.
0: Well, I I know that we are going to get to see and experience these results come January next month, which I'm really excited for. If you could tease out maybe just one finding that surprised you, <laughs> if any, can you share something that really surprised you when you looked at these different experiences and you looked at the, the data that came out of them?
1: I was surprised that it really was. So the, the way that we looked at the data, we were looking at um, participant to participant conversations and future connection. We were looking at participant to sponsor conversation and connection and then participant to host Um, whoever was the hosting organization for it. And the five emotions were the same across each cohort and how we did the data. So we now know that if you make sure you have these five elements in your experiences, whether you're trying to do a networking event where people connect with each other, you're trying to drive more ROI for your sponsors, or you're doing it as your own pipeline generating event, these are the five across the board. And I thought that was really interesting. I guess I expected it to be a little bit different on the, the peer-to-peer than it was going to be on peer-to-sponsor, but knowing that these are the same five across the board was fantastic.
0: Mm-hmm. And that keeps it. Simple. That keeps it easy for planning right. purposes moving forward. Yeah, that's actually- <laughs> I'll be honest, we were a little nervous. We didn't
1: know what the results of the study would be. We <laughs> right. were like, oh, once we get these, what are we going to do with them?
0: <laughs> so, I mean, what did, what inspired this? I obviously see, I see the value behind it and I see how beneficial this would be for anybody who's organizing some kind of experience, but what inspired you? Were you the person that came up with this? How did this all become or come to life?
1: So we actually, I would say the beginnings of it started back in 2017 when we first created what has now become this big, crazy business of all sorts of things we have going on here. But Hot Dokimazo was an event we created because we started seeing some of our industry events just become so formulaic, like check the box. You got your keynote, your breakout, your expo, your concert, check, check, check. And so you would go to them and it felt like the same conference happening over and over again without anyone having the space for conversation. So we created Hot Dokimazo as an event that was pure conversation and people could take those other events they were going to, but come to this one to to talk about the challenges they had and the problems that they were trying to solve and that they had solved and could help other people with. So that event, we really, you know, to, to talk through the name of this podcast, Dare to Interrupt, we tried to interrupt the status quo of doing things that way and provide something that was going to be disruptive. So from the beginning, our welcome attack is what we call it. When people walk in, it's not walk up to a desk and get your badge. It's greeted with a hug or an elbow bump in this day and age. But it's like a true welcoming experience that throws you off. It puts you in the right mood of how you want to be And the second one is that it was 100% conversation. So yes, there's somebody sharing their expertise, but it's in a setting where everyone's involved and you can have an expert sharing their expertise and you are there to listen, but it feels very intimate. And then the third one is our surprise and delight. So we always have something that was shocking, whether we brought in sloths for an event or had armadillo races or, you know, even some strange banana appetizer thing where you roll it in sprinkles, you know, whatever it was, there was something that caused something in people. And we didn't, necessarily know what we were trying to cause in people. We just knew we wanted to break the mold on the standard way of doing events. And at the end of every single one of these events, when we do a retrospective, people would tell us over and over again, this was so different. I feel like family. I feel like I made new friends and new family members and we were only together for eight hours. And how was that possible? And that kept happening over and over and over again. So we knew there was something there, and we just needed to kind of bottle it and share it with other people. So fast forward four years, we've done the world's first secret business trip. We've done a whole lot of big, crazy things that have all led to us going, okay, let's figure out what the formula really is, and then let's help other people be able to verbalize it.
0: This is my favorite kind of story. <laughs> it really is. My favorite kind of stories has always come from a place of pain. And frustration. (laughs) And then not only exploring that and finding solutions to make it different and potentially better, but also empowering other people to do the same with shared knowledge and experience and information. This is truly my favorite full circle moment. And you actually, you have an event that's coming up, gosh, is it in January?
1: It is. It's where we're going to release the ROE study results. It's called Flashpoint. So, well, I mentioned our world's first secret business trip that we did in 2019. It was called Hot Dokimazo Secret Family Reunion. And we invited 80 experiential marketers marketers to meet us at JFK, bring a passport, pack for six days, and we didn't tell them anything else. And when they got to the airport, we announced that we were taking them to Tuscany for a six-day experience that was all conversation-based and experiential and all the feels. And it was so much fun and so incredible. And during 2020, we were supposed to be site visiting for our next secret trip. But, you know, things changed. So instead, we did these um, virtual experiences, we called them unrestricted hotness, and we had all of our destination friends from all over the world hosting us virtually on Zoom with their cell phone and taking us on these incredible virtual experiences through their country just like we would have gone if it was in person, and that's how we knew this virtual thing could be just as inspirational and awe-inspiring as the in-person ones. So we decided in 2021, we were going to bring people together. And um, we had worked with our friends over at the Atlantis and the Bahamas to bring what we were calling secret family refresh to have folks kind of come together and get out of this pandemic thing and all be in one place. And in July of 2021, people weren't quite ready to travel yet. So we moved that to January. But since then, all sorts of crazy things have happened with our company. So we emerged with um, our parent company, which was Hot Work Creative, an, a creative agency. And in January, we acquired Eventworks out of LA. So the three of us together have now formed one agency called Hot So Flashpoint is now almost our coming out party that is still in the vibe of this secret family reunion. And it's in Atlantis. So no one has to worry about not knowing the destination. You you know you're going somewhere safe that requires PCR testing when you arrive. And you know you're in this kind of good outdoor environment. And we get to release the study results from ROE and workshop it with the people that come to the event. So they leave knowing how to apply ROE into their marketing programs. And I just can't. Obviously, I can't stop talking about it. I'm so excited.
0: (laughs) I can't stop listening to you talk about it. So that is a really good sign. Yeah, this, you have, I'm smiling over here. This is so exciting. I actually, I feel like I remember hearing people talk about that secret family trip that you did in Mm -hmm. 2019. And I remember hearing just some murmurs about, you know, where where are we going and that kind of thing. And it's just so fun. It's so fun. It's so adventurous. It's so exciting and it's so different from what we typically experience. So I feel like I'm sitting over here and I'm like, how do I actually get more involved with this type of group and this type of experience? Because it's, I mean, it's incredible. It's sexy. It's mysterious. You're in it now. You're part of the hot
1: community. I know. I'm so excited about this. (laughs) This
0: is the beginning of such a cool chapter. Well, I mean, thank you for sharing more about the study, how it came to be, the value behind it, and most importantly, what people can expect to learn from you all when you release your results from this study in January. And I'm excited even as a speaker to see how I can potentially work some of this data, this really valuable knowledge into the way that I interact with my audience's. I see, I already see so much value in that as well. So Absolutely. I, well, that's oh going to be gosh. the real
1: test, right? Because now we have to go share it with people. So how can we make sure the sharing of it is just as exciting as the actual knowledge? And so I, I can't wait to see how keynote speakers and, and people that are bringing their stories to life can use these pieces in their stories.
0: I'll be your case study. Yay. So, I'll be your case study. I'll put this stuff to practice, all of the things that you teach, and I'll let you know how it goes. I'm really, <laughs> really interested to learn from from you and from this study. I think it's gonna be great.
1: Our so. intent is to make it as simple as an NPS score. You know, like Ooh. everybody can use the NPS score and they can understand where they stand with their customers. We want people to use and understand ROE and know how their program stands on the scale. So we're really,
0: really, really thrilled. Yeah, I'm excited for you all and congrats. This is it's I mean, I know it hasn't been announced yet, but I early congrats on what I'm sure is going to be a really successful infiltration into people's companies and in our industry. I think this is going to be very, very, very interesting for people to learn and use. So, I mean, I'd love to learn more about you as well and your career journey in the industry or outside of the industry. Can you walk us through just a little snippet of your professional history?
1: Mm -hmm, Sure. Well, my background is all on the brand side. I I would say I grew up um, at Dell. I spent 10 years on the event team, Executive Briefing Center team and ended up running the global event team and starting Dell World back in 2011. So I was there during some interesting like post rapid growth, but during really interesting growth and the start of acquisitions. And then after Dell, I was at IBM for a few years running global event teams for a couple of the business units there. Um, and then it was while I was I'd be at IBM that we decided to start Hot Dokimazo. Just as it was a side gig, it wasn't even a money maker. We, in fact, our first one we lost nine hundred bucks. <laughs> it was really just let's go find a place that we can bring people together. And we did a few of those. Um, and when people started asking us, "Hey, could you come do this for our events?" It, that's when we thought, "Huh, that you mean you'd pay us to do this for you?" <laughs> that's a cool idea. So one of my former vendors actually at Dell, he was starting up a creative agency and he came to me, he came to one of our events and he said, "Um, I'm thinking of starting this agency, would you consider leaving IBM and, and joining me and we can, you can bring Hot Dokimazo into it, we can launch this agency, I've got a creative director and I just need someone to run the event side of the house. And I was like, nah, that's... Stupidest thing I've ever heard. So I thought about it for a few minutes because at that point the seed had been planted. So after after about a month or so, I decided to take the leap and we created Hot um, in early 2018. I ended up leaving IBM in April of 2018. And so Hot is now the creative agency, which is comprised of Hot Rock Creative, Eventworks, and Hot, and that's one company. We have a music venue here in Cedar Park, Texas, just north of Austin called Hot Spot. We have Don't ask me how. It was a pandemic baby. We have a um, hot motor works is our luxury speed shop and um, very high end exotic car motor something. I got to work on that. I'm the CMO. I should know how to market this. And And then we have a um, a SaaS platform for swag that is launching later this year. It's called Swag Hub, and it's for those small and medium businesses that don't want to actually carry inventory for their branded merchandise. We have a selection of about 600 pieces, and you would just pay like a subscription fee and get access to those, but it's print on demand. So we think it's going to solve a huge problem for the industry as a whole, anyone that wants swag that doesn't want to have a swag closet. And through all of these, they are all about human to human connection, from the swag being spread the word, to live music, which unites all people, to the, the programs that we're running for clients. And then across all of that is the community that supports it. All of this was grown from the friends and people we know and have gotten to know over the years, and the community is what fuels us and what supports us. And Nicole Ashiboto is our chief community officer, and she is in charge of giving the hugs. She brings everybody in, she keeps them in, and everybody wants to be where Nicole is.
0: <laughs> There's You have so much going on. Yeah, you you definitely caught my attention even more so when you mentioned the luxury motor, blah, 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 <laughs> et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you've got your hand in so many projects. I mean, how do you manage all of those things?
1: Well, we have an incredible team and that's, that's the answer to all of it. You know, you've got the right people in the right places and they are managing their business and I'm just here as a support person at this point. So it's making sure that our message is resonating, that our message is wide enough and that we're bringing people in to have more conversations.
0: I also just have to say that I absolutely love the pain point with swag that you're mm-hmm. talking about uh, and being able to produce on demand. I think that's absolutely incredible and so necessary. Think about all the money that you save. Think about how much more sustainable that is. I mean, I, I feel slightly ashamed admitting this, but the number of times that I have had to leave swag in my hotel mm-hmm. room because it just doesn't fit in my luggage.
1: <laughs> right. That
0: happened even a couple times over the past few months. And I felt so terrible and so guilty for not being able to accept that gift. But sometimes it's just it just doesn't fit. Or maybe you already have 10 of them and you don't necessarily want to take another one. So I think that's that's really interesting. And, well, and we excited. all remember
1: those moments on when you have a trade show booth and you've got your seven boxes and you forgot to actually build into your booth design where you're gonna store all the stuff. And, yes. you know.
0: yeah, that's a whole different angle. Yeah, that's a whole <laughs> different angle. And again, from a budget perspective, you know, how much swag actually goes unused, not given mm-hmm. away, and then you have to ship it back to where it came from. It's a whole thing. So, right. that's, so imagine that's really just giving your customer
1: a $100 swag card, have them go to your Swag Hub store and then pick all the swag they want, have it shipped straight to them.
0: Magic. That is brilliant. That actually was something that I experienced as a speaker thank you gift a few months back where I got a gift card, I got to go to a website, I got whatever I want, it shipped directly to my house
1: mm-hmm. and
0: it was perfect. I got this awesome candle that I really actually wanted, used it, burned <laughs> it, and now we're on to the next. Beautiful. Beautiful. So, so you've, I mean, you've obviously had incredible highs, and you've had, I mean, you've built incredible businesses to the point where it truly is a multifaceted empire. And I'm sure that you've had, you know, a, a lot of different curveballs that you've experienced along the oh, way. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, let's be real. Even <laughs> this past couple of years has just been one massive curveball after the next. But what, I mean, what has been the greatest challenge that you feel like you have faced in your career?
1: You know, I think there's the two I would call out. One, one is growth challenges. Um, it feels very different when you go from 30 people in your company to when you tip the 50 person mark. And now we're close to 100 people just since 2018. And it's, it's a real challenge to you can't keep silos from forming. They're just going to happen by department. But how do you keep the culture across all of the departments? And even more so when most everyone is remote, you know, we gave up our offices when COVID hit and we're, we, most of us are distributed at this point. And we have a place, we have offices and things we can come together to, but not everyone is housed there. So how do you really ensure that people are being treated the same way department to department and that the feel and the values that we created when we created the company go through everyone. So I think that's one big challenge that, you know, we're still working on. I think every company works on it, but it's near and dear to our hearts. And then my second one would be we created Hot Dokumazo um, and now this past year with the, the merger of it, seeing that brand go away is really hard for us. And personally, that was something that You know that we built, we created, and we're all the better for it being, you know, merged with the rest of them. But it's hard to
0: see that go away. You know, just hold Mm -hmm. on to
1: it. Where did it go? (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, and actually, a question that was prompted based on your first response about culture, and I know there's research that tells us that once you go past that fifty mark of Mm -hmm. number of employees, it's impossible to actually really be able to influence culture the same way as you would if it was under 50. So I know that's something that a lot, of, a lot of smaller companies that have scaled and have grown have faced as a challenge. And so when you were talking about that, one of the questions that I had was in this, going back to the study that you've been working on, Will, is it possible that it would be valuable to incorporate some of those findings in return on emotion? And really, I mean, it comes down to creating an experience and a culture. Do you think that some of those findings will be applicable to your company internally as well?
1: Yeah, I think we are absolutely use those when we do our company all hands, you know, we do a monthly virtual all hands and we make sure that each it's only an hour, but it has to have all of these elements into it. So people feel connected to the source and people feel like they're getting the same treatment. Now, every again, every department head, every head of business is going to have a different personality. Therefore, their team will have a different personality, but as long as they are connected to the the source, they get that feeling of what the company is supposed to be. And that's what's important.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like my head's just going in so many different directions. I'm like, other <laughs> professionals could use it? Like there's so much, mm-hmm. there's so much going back to that. But I will stop talking about that for now because I know there's more to come. So, I mean, looking at the other side of the coin in your career journey, what are some of the more meaningful moments that you've created and or what are you most proud of accomplishing?
1: I think our trip, all from Nicole Oshiboto's brain, the secret family reunion that we did was, it was hilarious when it came about. We both saw it happen in each other. We were hosting this retrospective at our San Diego event and people started saying the whole, we feel like family. And I said, you know, every family needs a family reunion. Maybe we should do a family reunion. And Nicole said, you know, I've always wanted to do a secret trip where no one knew where they were going. So what if we made the family reunion a secret? And in that instant, it was like, that, that intention was set out into the universe and to see it from, gosh, that was 2018, 2017. That mm-hmm. happened at the, in December of 2017. And over the two year journey of getting to when it actually happened in November of 2019 was a wild, I mean, so many things, ups and downs happened throughout it, including the fraudulent wire transfer of $43,000 to <laughs> someone who had hacked into our email so that it didn't oh, go to the right place. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, these things happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. But to get through all that and then to have the trip and then to to feel what we felt after the trip. And since that trip, we've kind of been tracking you know, casually, anecdotally from the 80 people that were on the trip, over seven million dollars in business has been done between the people on the trip, um, including business we've done with the people on the trip. And it's just like, clearly you can do things differently and still drive business.
0: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And proud. just I'm literally present the most badass mm-hmm. trip anybody would ever take. <laughs> <laughs> it's a win it's a win-win. Clearly, it's a win-win. Yeah, that's really cool. So are you, I know you're doing this uh, you're doing flashpoint in January. It's gonna be mm-hmm. in the Bahamas, right? Bahamas.
1: Correct. Okay. Not in a single ballroom. The whole thing Love is going to take place in fun outdoor. We're going to leverage the Bahamas. We're turning the agenda on its head. So instead of going to a beautiful location and being stuck inside a ballroom the whole time, all of our sessions are morning and night. And the, during the day part, we get to do experiential learning tours throughout the Atlantis, behind the scenes of the Marine Mammal Center, behind the scenes of the Aquarium.
0: We get we're doing some really cool stuff. I feel like you're just solving all of my personal complaints and pain <laughs> points from all the conferences I go to where, you know, my family members and friends will be texting me like, "Hey, how's Vegas?" and I'm like, "What's the weather like? Are you getting outside?" And I'm like, "Absolutely not. I only see the the nighttime of Vegas, which is not nearly as exciting to me as actually just being outside in the sun during the day." Exactly. So, That's great. That's awesome to hear. And so when I was gathering some information from you before our conversation today, I asked you to share one piece of advice that you would pass on to other women in business. And your response was really interesting to me. And I'd love to dig into it a little bit more. So you said, trust, but verify. What -hmm. does that mean to you? And why is it important?
1: I think me personally, and a lot of women in general, tend to be very trusting of someone who wants to partner with them, someone who wants them to be a part of a journey or a story or a project. And we we jump in, and we should, we should absolutely jump in and say yes to those opportunities, but verifying that it is, in fact, a reputable person, a reputable project, and a good opportunity for you. Um, and, you know, all the way down to the wire transfer, right? Like I trust that I'm spending my $43,000 somewhere, but let's verify that. And so it's really just a reminder of no matter how creative and how spontaneous we are, making sure that we're doing the right things that put us in the right place for us personally and for the business that we're representing.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And I think A lot of times we, I mean, personally, I can speak to my own experience, but I think sometimes the less that we know about something, the easier it is to just trust. And, which is so backwards, where you know we really should actually be digging in and verifying and asking questions, and it's almost like we don't want to deal we don't want to deal with how complicated it might be to ask those mm-hmm. questions. So just take it away, I trust you, move it, move on, and let's get it done when those mm-hmm. really are the moments where we probably should be verifying a little bit more, but it just seems to take more work up front.
1: Credibility matters, and it's okay to ask those questions and ask for references. And I mean, imagine saying yes to a secret trip where you don't know where you're going with a right. company you can't pronounce and have never heard of before. So, <laughs> you know, the people that took the time to say, you know what, can you can you just hop on a Zoom call with me before I, I commit to this? And I'd like to lo- know a little bit more about you and your company. And I think that's all good things.
0: Yeah. Did you have any? Did you have any people who? had those legitimate concerns that wanted to know a little bit more about the secret trip before they boarded that flight. Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah. We had a lot of conversations around it. We did have one person who, uh, she was at a a corporate brand and her company would not permit her to go to a place unknown. So we did have to have her sign an NDA and let her know in advance. And she was even more excited when she found out where we were going. (laughs) But yes, there, there were definitely some conversations around that, which I fully applaud. I'm not sure I would have taken the leap to jump on an airplane and not know where I'm going. (laughs)
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, there are definitely some, you know, some little yellow and red flags that pop up for sure. But (laughs) I feel like my biggest question would be around outfit planning. Did you give? (laughs) Well, we did give some guidance there. Okay. (laughs) Because the wine, I mean, the wine tasting game, I'm sure was definitely something (laughs) to be prepared for. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Well, so Liz, one final question for you in our conversation today. If you could just leave some lasting words of advice with the people li- listening to the podcast, what would you want them to be left with?
1: Be willing to experiment, to test, and to try those new things. I think too many of us, especially in the corporate world or you have a boss of any kind, you're just afraid to push those boundaries. And I think that we have had the most incredible results when we've pushed past those limitations and said, let's just try this once. Let's just see and have everybody on board with that. And it's just, it, you can't turn back once you've tried it. You have to continue to experiment in the crazy fun things because 99% of the time they work out magically.
0: I think that is the perfect way to not only end this conversation, but also to close 2021 and step into 2022 with that sense of adventure and optimism. So I want to say thank you so much, Liz, for sharing all of your experiences and your insight and knowledge with everybody today. And of course, audience, I want to thank you all for listening these past couple of years and especially to this very special episode at the end of the year. Share what you learned from this episode with me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram by following at Meetings Today and me at Courtney on Stage. And be sure to never miss an episode by subscribing to Dare to Interrupt on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and more. Stay empathetic, be bold, and keep daring to interrupt my friends. Until next time.